Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best MCU villain. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Good morning, Hal. Well, good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning, listeners. How you doing? Welcome to Down on the Farm with Mark and Hal, where we go over <laughs> livestock reports, the weather for the next few days, and how the dairy market's looking. Basically, you just described a boring version of Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> hey, do you like Welcome to Night Vale, but you think too much happens? <laughs> do you, uh, have we talked about RFD TV? On this podcast before? No. What's RFD TV? Well, Mark, it's rural America's most important network. Mm-hmm. It is a television network that is designed for farmers. Mm-hmm. It is available if you have direct TV. I believe it's still available that way. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of great shows on it. There's Down Under Horsemanship with Chris Cox. There's Campfire Cafe. Please uh, tell me you're not reading this off of anything right now. You just is, know these. I swear to you, this is off the top of my uh, head. <laughs> Dutch Oven Cooking. Uh, that's when you, that's when you cook breakfast in bed and then pull the covers over your head and fart, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's how you cook the meal. Yeah. (laughs) Blanket farts. (laughs) There's Big Jimmy Stir's Polka Hour. There's, uh, uh, a lot of uh, Penny Jimmy specials. Oh, I, for real. Polka Hour is real. I don't want to, I don't want to look. Farmers are going through enough right now. They are. Don't you, don't you know there's a trade war on? Be nice to farmers. It's, no, I am. I used to obsessively watch this network when I had DirecTV. Oh, my God. And uh, Jordan Crane had it at his place. And we, w- I would go over and we would sit and watch it. Just it, like, wow. It's amazing the programming that's on here. That When they do the livestock auctions, that part didn't really interest me as much. Yeah. Because I don't buy that's normal. That's normal farming stuff. You know, it's a look for a city boy into what is important to people who are, who do not live in a very different place than I do. Mm-hmm. And, and the entertainment stuff was insane. Yeah. Well, also like, don't use, well, farmers have different, uh, have different tastes as an excuse for you to put your polka show on. Look, I like the music I like. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed <laughs> to love a good polka. Look, there's some, there's some good polkas out there. Look, you know the music I listen to. And I am, I am unashamed of my Andrew Lloyd Webber collection. That's right. I just bought the, uh, Cats album on vinyl the other day. I hope it's from the upcoming movie. No, I wish. That upcoming movie looks awesome. I don't care what anyone says. I think that movie looks great. Everyone's like, this movie looks terrible. And I'm like, no, man, this movie has black Superman as prancing around as a cat. And also has one of the greatest songs in the musical theater canon. I am in. Is he McCavity? Is that the cat that he is? I don't know. I just know I saw him in the trailer and I was like, what? Come on, Idris. (laughs) Like, I'm going to love this movie and still know that you're better than this. The uh, the only way I'll say that movie is if I see it with you. And unfortunately, you're going to be in in another part of the world. I will fly home and watch that movie with you. Okay, fine. I'll hold you to it. If you fly home, I'll go see it with you. Okay. I will fly home for a visit to watch the Cats movie. I'll pick you up from the airport, fly to LAX, I'll pick you up from the airport, we'll go right to the movie theater, and then I'll drop you off and you'll go back. 
<laughs> but we're not that here would... to talk about horrifying Broadway adaptations, Mark. That's my line. <laughs> it's opposite day. No. Best MCU villain. Oh, no. You took my job. Yeah. I didn't think this through. Yeah, right? Today we're talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Rogues Gallery of Villains. Yes. Thank you. Joseph Pullen for the suggestion. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, I love these movies. I know you love these movies. There's one that I have not seen yet. I know. Mm-hmm. Shame on my Marvel Cinematic Universe loving butt that I have not seen Spider-Man turn off. Not Spider-Man. Turn off the dark. That's Turn off the dark. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Arachne we're going to yeah. talk about. Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. We will briefly discuss Mysterio, but in a non-spoiler way. And and. Uh, then also spoiler he's not gonna for, win. Yeah, spoiler for everyone listening, he is not the winner of this topic. Yeah. For sure. Although he is uh I I would put him in the top I pro- I might put him in the top five. I might really? put him in the top five. Pa- partially from the you know, I mean I, I think to dig in a little bit into into how we would decide something like this, I think part of it has to be based on the the quality of the performance mm-hmm. and and how it's written. But I think there has to be some I don't know, faithfulness to the comic or translation from the comics where you go, oh, I can see something that they ripped straight from the pages. I think that can mm-hmm. be important. And there is a sequence that brings up exactly how we would judge something like this anyway. I think part mm-hmm. of it is the strength of the performance, which Jake Gyllenhaal gives a great performance. And and another, uh, the strength of how the character is written, which traditionally for the MCU has been an issue. They have kind of, they have had overall kind of a villain problem that the villains kind of seemed like a bad version of the superhero. Yeah. Or just someone to get in the way of whatever story they're trying to tell to build this up. Exactly. They're not always really that important to the story. I think it's important when they are. And the the third part is, are there portions of it, or at least the spirit of it, that feels like it really captures something from the comic books in an important way? And uh, to stay free of spoilers, I think Jill, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal gives a, a fantastic performance in this movie. He's like obviously came ready to play. It's brilliantly written. And there is a sequence that feels like it could have been ripped straight from the comics. And I, and I went into that movie thinking, how are they going to pull Mysterio off mm-hmm. in, in a film, like in a convincing way? And they, they really did it and they throw the audience off balance in a way that only Mysterio can. So uh, great performance, definitely a top villain, but not the top villain. And now right. we've discussed Mysterio. Without spoiling the the movie for you. Well, you've spoiled it enough to say that he's a villain because in the first – I knew that. I mean that's – just saying that he's a villain is a spoiler. Did you really not figure it out until I sent you this list just so you'd have it for reference? Did you you not know? No, I didn't know. Wow. Who did you think the villain was? The Elementals? I didn't know. I thought maybe uh, Europe as a whole. (laughs) <laughs> like just the concept of Europe is the sure. villain. Spider-Man is a friendly neighborhood American Spider-Man. Yeah, he wears red and blue. Yeah, and he's and, white. Yeah, yeah, and he's white. <laughs> or has whites of his eyes. Yeah. It's Miles Morales. That's true. Who wears black and red. Yeah. That's fine. Or he could be a navy blue. <laughs> Listen, we'll take whatever we could get. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I guess I, I I hadn't thought about it because, I mean, look, it's my fault for not having seen it yet yeah. now that it's nearly out of theaters. But I did I tell you about the crazy experience that I had with Spider-Man Far From Home with the recording of the soundtrack? Uh, I, I Tell me again. That we got tell everybody to, here. Oh, man. Listeners, this is very exciting. Uh, 
my buddy Aaron and I uh, got to go listen. Thanks to uh, Michael Giacchino for hooking this up. We got to go and listen to them record the suite, like the big, you know, where like the overture. The suite's like the overture for a movie that they play at the end in the credits a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And we heard them record that and also that beginning opening of the MCU with dun 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 layered over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And we knew that something special was about to happen. Uh, Michael didn't tell us what was going to happen right then. He just said, go in the, uh, go in the big orchestra room. So we're sitting there in this giant or like with the world's best musicians. And Michael comes in, pulls out his phone and starts recording. And I'm like, okay, when the composer comes into the orchestra giant recording studio, pulls out his iPhone and starts recording it, something cool is about to happen. And that was when they played the, uh, those opening notes and I got chills up my arms ah so man it was so so freaking cool anyway i just wanted to share that because the nerd in me was very excited about that day no i'm 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 uh mega jealous but also happy for you at the same time super fun that is awesome awesome (laughs) awesome story um but it's not mysterio is not mysterio who may or may not be a villain it was not not even that day was it spoiled for you yeah no not even that day so you mentioned then this is a good place to start is what criteria are we using uh you mentioned the strength of the performance mm-hmm. and the importance to the story you already mentioned uh the strength of the performance mm-hmm. and the importance to the story uh i'd like to add villainy and complexity as two criteria and I think yep. that's a that's a good quartet to go with. Strength of the performance, they're important. They're you know where they fit in the story, their villainy and their complexity. That sounds good. We could also go with uh, general handsomeness because you know, I mean, that- there's Thanos is pretty ripped minus his grimace <laughs> chin. I mean, it's a good looking set of villains. Yeah, it is. Everybody, well, it's movies, except for with the exception of the Red Skull, and even he's got sort of a a, uh, a handsomeness to him, even sure. though he's grotesque. Yeah. There's something the, to that except, look like. Oh. So they're all handsome except Mickey Rourke. Skull Daddy. Yeah, Mickey <laughs> he's Rourke. A, Mickey he's Rourke's a Skull Daddy. Of all of the characters <laughs> that you would not want uh, your child to date, mm-hmm. it's definitely Whiplash. You can tell he smells like like stale cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, and also like and his obsession with his bird, which I believe was Mickey Rourke's contribution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. That's a good uh, contribution. Oh, yeah. I think he should have a bird. Yeah. All right. Sure, Mickey. Whatever. Ugh. Should we just go through these and talk about them like in chronologically or do we want to give some honorable mentions to people that are not sure. going to win or how do you want to do it? Um, I think we hmm, I don't want to get into this thing where we talk about every single villain. Well, let's I go. Like let's go I, chronologically. You- let's go chronologically and then ask if we need to talk about that villain. Okay, let's start with 2008's Iron Man and uh, Obadiah Stane, uh, who I believe uh, Warman- Warmonger is is his name. I think that, or no, Ironmonger, Ironmonger. That's Ironmonger. right. Just a giant, overpowered, more militarized version of the Iron Man suit. It's Jeff Bridges, who I don't think Jeff Bridges has ever. I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie and thought he's just phoning this in. No, he's always fun and exciting. Yeah. Uh, that said. This movie is about Robert Downey Jr. becoming Iron Man. Mm-hmm. It's not really about Warmonger. It felt like they had to have a villain in there and they mm-hmm. didn't want to, they didn't want to spoil Mandarin, I think is probably his biggest villain. Mm-hmm. It's the one I most associate with him. And 
they reference Mandarin a little bit mm-hmm. with the idea of the of the Ten Rings, and, uh, but they didn't want to use him in that movie. It's easier to have it be like, all right, well, the bad guy is just a bigger Iron Man. Yeah. So, do we need to talk about him? No. Okay. Then uh, we have two thousand, also two thousand eight's The Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. and Emil Blonsky, aka Abomination. Which is the exact same thing, but Hulk version. Yeah, played by Tim Roth. Yeah, bad human, wants to be superhero, does what superhero does to get same powers as superhero. In this case, it's not building a bigger suit, it's being a bigger Hulk. And then they have a big fight at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, Tim Roth, great actor, a lot of fun, but it's just, it's just sort of a generic military bad guy. Yeah. There's a great reference. Mm-hmm. Of of a villain to come in in the Incredible Hulk, which I would have loved to see, which was Timothy Blake Nelson as uh as the leader, mm-hmm. the scientist who Bruce Banner has been communicating with, who has a portion of the Hulk's blood drop into uh into I think a cut on his head, and you see his head start to mushroom and expand, and that is him becoming the leader. Although they never come back to it, and I don't think I think because of rights issues, we're never going to get another Hulk standalone movie until that's resolved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not a great. Again, it's a good performance, but it just yeah, you know uh, th- that. There's movie. A, let's get to the good ones. Let's get to the fun ones. All right, Iron Man two, Whiplash. No, Whiplash sucks. Give me my board. I want my board. I want my board. I mean, there is. He does have the one uh, very cool shot of him with his whips walking on the racetrack. Walking on the racetrack. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the other villain in that movie is more compelling, which is uh, Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell, who's like who is evil. perfect. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, it does feel like he and Mickey Rourke are two different movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Mickey Rourke feels he doesn't feel like the bad guy; he feels like the muscle to the bad guy. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, after this. The next, I think the next. Are we done? After- are we? Are we? I look because I want to. I want to talk a little more about Sam Rockwell. I'm not. Oh, quite you want to talk more about Justin Hammer? All right. I want to talk, talk about, about Justin, Justin Hammer, Hammer because Justin Hammer to me is he may not be on the Mount Rushmore of great Marvel villains, mm-hmm. but as as a foil for Tony, he is so perfect. Yes, because he knows how to get under. T- he's also a rich. He does the same job that Tony did. He is a rich um, military weapons creator. Yeah, he's an arms dealer. And he is – he. it is Sam Rockwell at his smarmy Sam Rockwell best, mm-hmm. just chewing up scenery. And when he has his moments of one-upping Tony Stark, he's really fun in those moments. And he's really fun in the moments where he is getting his comeuppance from Tony Stark. Like, he's basically Margaret Dumont in a Marx Brothers movie in that courtroom scene. (laughs) No, well, I never, oh, oh my goodness, oh, he's, he's so fun. So I just wanted to make sure we didn't give him short shrift because of the villains in Iron Man 2, uh, Whiplash can get bent. It's all about Hammer for me. He's still out there too. I mean, it's possible Justin Hammer could show up again. I know we no longer have our current Iron Man. Mm hmm. But it's possible that his daughter could take over the mantle. There, you know, there have been other people right. to wear the suit. And the idea that Justin Hammer has been out there plotting revenge 
uh, does, it's never far away. I'm sure he's someone who is discussed from time to time. I'm sure they have a lot of conversations creatively where they're like, all right, who's out there? Yeah. Who, who can we play wanna, with? Yeah. Who can we play with? And he's someone they can play with. Uh, next we have one of our contenders, 2009's uh, Thor, which brought us Tom Hiddleston as Loki. A Absolutely really a contender. To play. He has, well, he has a Disney Plus series coming out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, because he is very dead in the movies. Is he, though? I a think version, he... A version of him is dead. Another version of him escaped using the Space Stone in Endgame. Oh. So there's a, there are a lot of rumors that, that it's going to be based on that, that it's going to be like a quantum leap where mm-hmm. he's setting things wrong instead of <laughs> setting them right. Loki does quantum leap. Like each week he jumps into a different mid-20th century tertiary character. Yes. He's constantly just messing with the timeline, which might oh, lead him fun. to – because that version of Loki – look, Loki, you mentioned complexity. Yeah. That, and, and I mentioned complexity with Loki in mind. Yeah. Because that is – he is, I mean, you know what he is doing. You know why he is doing it. You understand why he is doing it. His motivations are the basest motivations in all of us. He just happens to also be, you know, an Asgardian and can really mess things up for humans if he wants to. Yeah. It's funny to even think of him as a villain because I'm like, yeah, but by the end of the MCU run up to Endgame... By the end of it, he's, as he will always be, I guess, kind of a scoundrel, but, you know, in the way Catwoman is, Catwoman is a scoundrel with her own, um, with her own set of values, but she's not always a permanent villain. Like Thor and Loki have teamed up and are helping people by the time Loki is killed in the MCU timeline. Sure, and that's sort of the story of Loki. Is sometimes he's a villain, sometimes he's a mm-hmm. hero, but he's always looking out for himself. Yeah. And he's a wounded child, especially in these yeah. films. A lot of people bag on the original Thor. I think it's a very good movie, and I think it's a very important movie. And, and having Kenneth Branagh as the director was brilliant, because he's mm-hmm. got these world-class actors. And yeah. he finds and a Shakespearean Shakes- story. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he really milks that, and it's something that... Tom Hiddleston carries with him every time he plays the role. So the character evolves. But even in the Avengers, which is, which is him at his worst, mm-hmm. there are still tears and still moments of weakness. And you can see how hurt he is from the ev- events of the original Thor, that he mm-hmm. feels like he should be in charge, that he knows he's, there's a part of him that constantly wants to be good enough mm-hmm. and, and being sort of a bastard child who, who was raised uh, everything in his upbringing was a lie. He, What's he, the thing? He's part Cree or he's part Frost I, Giant? He's, uh, he's a Frost Giant. Gotcha. He was supposed to be the king of the Frost Giants or leader gotcha. of the Frost Giants. At least that's where he's from. He was abandoned and brought in by Odin and raised as his own. Um, yeah, this and Tom. So, like, I think this checks off all four of these boxes to the highest, if we're going one through 10 on each of these four criteria, he's a 10 in all four. No, he's not a 10 in villainy because he does have times when he's a good guy, but in complexity and importance to the story and in the strength of the performance from Tom Hiddleston, it's, he's perfect. I can't imagine anyone else playing Loki. Yeah. He is. He's by far a finalist. Not even mm-hmm. close. Yeah. Like you couldn't even, you can't have this conversation without him being a finalist. I do want to bring up one other villain from the Hulk. 
mm-hmm. who who we skipped over, which is General Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross is his yes, name. That's, that's, that's isn't his, that his his nickname is Thunderbolt. I was gonna say that like that name is like when you use like your street name and your family and and like your mom's maiden name to make your you know apparently yeah. to make your MCU name. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's your pet's first name. But like, oh, what's his name? Obadiah Mean or something like. Obadiah Stain is Obadiah uh, Stain. Like all of these names yeah. are good on Marvel for having lunacy names for some yeah. of these characters. Exactly. God bless the comics industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross is really the Hulk's main villain. He's the mm-hmm. guy who's chasing him everywhere. He's the military he's guy who, want, yeah. and he has something personal against Bruce Banner because Bruce Banner was dating his daughter. Mm-hmm. So he he's really a concerned dad under all of it. But by Civil War, he's he's also one of the main villains there because he's the one who's introducing the Sokovia Accords and pushing that through his secretary. Oh, I didn't realize. I never made that state. connection that that's what's happening. Yeah, well, he, we we had our conversation about the Sokovia Accords. He's not in the wrong a hundred percent. It's it's certainly debatable. He yeah. He's well, it's debated. From- Yes, he's someone who thinks he's coming from a good place, mm-hmm. but I think he's misguided. Yeah, at at uh, at best is misgu- is misguided. Yeah, so uh, he's he's worth discussing. I don't think he's a finalist either. No. I don't think they ever really developed into that point. But he's a great presence, and it's a fantastic performance by William Hurt, who is an honest to goodness Marvel Comics fan. I think that was mm-hmm. a big thrill for him to get to play General Ross. Yeah. So for that, like, that's one fun thing to think about too. Like, who is a legit fan of this stuff? And is like, yeah, I will absolutely play that. Give me this, like, Stephen Colbert when he was like, give me the tiniest part of a hobbit in the town, uh, yes. just so he could be in a hobbit movie. So there, yeah, there's something fun in that. Like, if there's one cinematic world that you could jump into and be a part of, what you is mean, it? Like, would it be Star Wars or would the it be MCU? Star Wars? Or- I guess are those the two choices? <laughs> You're like, it'll be one of these two. It's not the Grinchiverse. Yeah. Or that, or the, or, uh, Universal's, uh, Dark Universal. Oh, yeah. Which right. they've already eliminated. Like, it's already been scrapped. Everything doesn't have to be a cinematic universe. You can just make movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would want yeah. to be part of, uh, of the Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers. <laughs> Seemed colorful. <laughs> Seemed nice. Now you get to pick one. You can only pick one. Flash yeah. answer. It would That's be. The- it would not be the cat in the hat. Uh, I'd like to be in the MCU. Yeah, would be kind of cool. But I think sure. I'd want to be more important than just me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, being in the MCU would be cool because in Star Wars they don't have iPhones, and I use my phone a lot. <laughs> All right. Who's next? <laughs> that- <laughs> Next is also uh, life is pretty bleak for most of the characters in Star Wars. Yeah. Most of the characters in the MCU are just normal people. A bunch of kids on a high school trip to Europe. That sounds way more fun than, you know, combing the sand for parts to scrap units. Did you, <laughs> did you ever uh, go on a trip to Europe? Did you ever go on like a class trip like that? I never went on the class trip to Europe. Uh, I did like, I didn't go to Europe until two years ago, three years ago. Uh, was my first trip. And then I've been back since because I just love it there. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, I went for a wedding and then toured around. Uh, I did dance in the St. Patrick's Day parade in Dublin in 1995. So I didn't part go of the to school performance. I didn't go to mainland Europe. No, that was part of Kids Unlimited, my show choir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where you're singing Hound Dog? 
Yeah, but it wasn't school. This I did on purpose on my own time. <laughs> yeah, like I put on I put on a sequin bow tie and cummerbund sure. for like six years. Uh huh. And uh, and sang uh, Surfing USA in foreign countries. And then as soon as you were done, you could go right to work at TGI Fridays because you're wearing the uniform. <laughs> if perfect. they had sequin bow ties, I will eat at any restaurant where the servers have sequin bow ties. Really? Yeah. Even if it's got – that seems like every place that would do that would have a PJs on the front. Like, PJ McGillicuddy's. <laughs> PJ O'Donoghue's. Oh, Did I tell you about my dad? God love him. He keeps finding restaurants that he loves – in uh when he comes to visit us in our respective cities me my brother and sister mm-hmm. and does not realize that they are chains and i feel so bad like i watched a grown man become crestfallen when i informed him that buca de beppo was not a single restaurant in chicago with a lot of neat knickknacks <laughs> and and my so my sister and I uh we were in DC and he wanted to go to his favorite place in DC which is his favorite bar it's right by the white house very exciting for him to you know you're in the middle of it all it's this restaurant and it's got great uh a great bar and great food it's called PJ Clark's and there are PJ Clark's in many cities around the country I think I've heard of that place yeah, yeah. and when my dad when my dad said he was like, yeah, you know, and he's going off on this singular restaurant in DC that he loves called PJ Clark's very historical place. Uh, my sister and I both turned to each other and each to one another said, don't you dare tell him. <laughs> I'm just excited for, uh, I hope he comes to Pensacola in 2020. So you convince him, so you can convince him that TGI Fridays is a Pensacola landmark. I just want him to walk in and go, Hey, Mark, uh, went to a great place. It's, um, it's like fast, casual dining. They bring you food super fast. You can even get it from your car. It's called McDonald's. I think it's Scottish food. You ever had <laughs> it? There's only Scottish one. Scottish food. I'm only, there's only one, but it's right off the highway. I'll tell convenient. you this. No, no, no. My dad knows about McDonald's. The oh, number of times we hit the McDonald's drive through as kids. Uh, oh yeah. He loves, and I, I, that is one thing I inherited from him that I am not happy about is my love of the McDonald's drive through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, back. I just a small tangent. Anyway, back to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, uh, we are almost done with Phase One. Captain America: The First Avenger is next, and mm-hmm. it features the Red Skull, played by Hugo Weaving. Who yeah, Red Skull is fun. I don't think he used to come back. <laughs> oh, really? Is it's that why him. it's a? It's another. Who is the? There's the actor that plays Red Skull in um, Infinity yes. War. There was something cool about that actor. I want to look this person up. He, uh, he's, he, first of all, he does a really good vocal impression. Mm-hmm. Is that the uh, thing he was like great. a voiceover guy that I liked? No, I think he's from, I want to say he's from The Walking Dead, but I don't know if that's true. I okay. cannot remember his name and Google, the internet is literally failing me right now. Uh, Ross Marquand. That's there you go. Name. Ross Marquand. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. He's, else from, do he's I know from The Walking from. Dead. Yeah. So. He, uh, yeah, he was great. Fills it in. Sounds just like him. The, the Red Skull is a really interesting character in, in Marvel lore. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, he, sur- he, in the comics, he survives and is a constant thorn in the side of Captain America. Do you think that he is a, uh, because they couldn't just make Hitler the bad guy? Do you think it's like we need, we need a slightly supernatural, 
uh, way more powerful version of Hitler to be the nemesis for Captain America? I think when Captain America came back in the 60s that people were less likely to want a drawn Hitler in their comic books constantly. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody's clamoring for it now. Right. But also you want someone who is who is an actual like super powered bad guy. You want someone who you think is a challenge to your hero. Mm-hmm. Right? And someone who matches him in so, some way. So where does he fit like the he fits all these boxes pretty well like the strength of his performance Hugo Weaving's great. Uh his villainy is he's very high on the villainy scale. Yes. He's very low on the complexity scale. Yeah. It's like he's- because because evil yeah, he's much more, it's much more interesting what he becomes, what his yeah. eternal punishment is. Yeah, it's fun to MCU. watch him in, 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 uh, in, uh, Infinity War. You're like, oh, that dude. Oh, I'm glad he's being punished. And the one thing I wish existed, even as a deleted scene, is Captain America going to return the Soul Stone. Because at the end of Endgame, he goes to return all the stones to their timeline at the moment they were taken, which would include the Soul Stone being returned to Red Skull. Yeah. To the Red Skull. He would have to encounter the Red Skull, and he would know who it was. Was that a cut scene? I, you know, I don't think it was ever filmed. I think they just assumed, like, yeah, it probably happened. But he just went and did his mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just an interesting thing, because you never really set, see the Red Skull. I knew when I watched the Avengers, I was like, well, something happened. He wasn't killed. Mm-hmm. You see you see a portal open. You see space above him, and then I'll, I'll, he's transported away. You right. don't see ashes. You don't see any proof he was take he was taken out. So it was satisfying to see him return. Mm-hmm. And he is an iconic villain, but I, he's I think he's pretty far from the best one in the MCU. He's like I think he's more iconic in the comic books than he is in the MCU. Yeah. All right. What's next? That's we the have, end of Phase One. Yeah. Yes. Iron Man Three is up next. One of the greatest villains, Aldrich Killian, aka uh, who claims to be the mandarin although we know he's not because the actual mandarin will be showing up in uh shang chi later on what is shang chi shang chi is a martial arts villain or martial arts hero rather oh there's a they're making a oh cool and he is the mandarin will be in that film so we'll get to see the actual mandarin because we get the fake mandarin the fake mandarin is is one of my favorites because he's so yeah he's so gloriously a marvel villain and then when you find out that it's just an actor it's so funny. It's like, I thought that was a great twist. Iron Man 3 is such a polarizing movie. People either love it or hate it. It does subvert a lot of MCU stuff. It's got the action, but he spends most of his time not in the suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the villain is, ki- the, the villain is kind of odd. They do the extremist storyline, but not really. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I love the movie. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a top villain because he's not particularly complex. That's true. It's a great performance. It's, it's a well fun. Written. It's you know what it is. It is a great performance of the Mandarin. Yeah. By the actor that Ben Kingsley is playing in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Whatever that actor's name is is pretty good at playing the Mandarin. Oh, you mean uh, Ben Kingsley? Or, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, meaning, no, the actor. Oh, I see. The, the you see actor what I'm saying? That that, uh, that Ben Kingsley is playing. Yeah. That version of the Mandarin is fun and scary. And if we're going on strength of performance, uh, the strength of performance delivered by the actor that Ben Kingsley is playing. Yeah. Uh, is a good performance. But Guy Pierce is, uh, is, turns out to be the ultimate baddie in that one. Yes. And is a lot of fun. But again, just like 
there are so many villains in these that are rich suits that like we can kind of just put all the rich suits to the side. And that's Obadiah. That's yeah. Hammer as much as I love him. That's uh, Guy Pierce's character in this. Yes. Aldrich Killian. Aldrich Killian. Again, um, great comic book name. Yeah. Right. All right. Gonna, let's, I'm let's get, we got a lot of, we got a lot of these movies. Of You're right. We did, we're doing a terrible job of not talking about all of them. I know. I think we can sort of skip over Malekith, who. Yeah, Malekith sucks. Yeah. yeah, dark, through the dark world, re- redeemed as a film, thanks to Endgame. Mm-hmm. And has, gr- again, great Loki stuff, but yeah. Loki's not a villain in that movie. No. Uh, he is got- kind of though, cause he take, he, by the end of the film, He's still there. He's assumed the place of Odin, and you don't know where Odin is. Yeah. How so the show's an hour. Like, we don't have to talk about Malik. I'm just saying he comes back fine. Next, next, this is a good one. We get two bad guys, two for one in Captain America the Winter Soldier. We get Alexander Pierce, the, uh, the secret head of Hydra. Yeah. Played by Robert Redford. Really good performance. Classic, wonderful actor, rich suit. And that, that movie is amazing though. It's very good, but he's a rich suit and, but we also get a you want complex. This is the this one. This one I will put on Mount Rushmore. You get uh Bucky Barnes, aka the Winter Soldier. Oh, I'm not thinking of that. I'm think oh, I'm thinking way later. I'm in the wrong movie. You're in the wrong cat movie? I'm in the wrong yeah. What's the one um You thought you thought it was gonna be Helmet Zemo that I was Helmet Zemo is who I thought that's, you were. That's Civil War. That's Civil War. No, this is gotcha. this is the reemergence of Bucky Barnes as the Winter Soldier, a complex character. Ultimately not a villain though. No, but is I Loki can't, ultimately a villain? Uh, or is he well, just, Loki is considered more of a villain. He's a complex person. I feel like Bucky Barnes... Bucky he Barnes, becomes a hero pretty quickly. He becomes a hero pretty quickly. And also, he was previously a hero. True. Or a sidekick. He and was he was brainwashed. His motivation is that he was brainwashed. Yeah, that's that's he's not a complex villain. Okay. Like, uh, his villainy... He is complex. His villainy is not complex. Sure. I think that's fair. I think we would call him a hero. Yeah. We think of him as a hero and and a... And a victim more than we think of him as a villain. Yeah. And we think of him like just because he is a terrifying badass and you don't know what's going on at the beginning of the movie. That's villainous looking, but he's a good guy. Yes, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the first Guardians of the Galaxy where we get Ronan the Accuser. Ronan's Um, Ronan's fun. I don't think Ronan's he's fun and he's loud and theatrical, but the fun of that movie isn't the villain. The fun is the is the crew yes lee pace gives a great performance though yeah I, my favorite part of the of the movie is uh is the dance-off where he goes <laughs> uh what are you doing because he has that really deep voice yeah uh it's just a great a very very uh funny moment yeah i feel movie. like like he was he had to play a such a straight villain like a like a straight up this is here is a bad guy who wants to ethnically cleanse the galaxy yeah um, because the movie is so fun with the rest of the characters, I feel like they just gave him like, well, you're the villain. You have to say things like, I lied. I remembered your daughter. She cried when I killed her. I'm like, okay, these are just, you're just theatrical villain lines. Yeah. Like that any villain could say that Thanos could have said that. Yeah. Malekith, even though we, you know, put a, put that ether on a cloth and stuff it in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Next. A, a lot of this is an interesting villain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a top villain. I I think it he he may be the best part of the movie, which is James Spader as Ultron in Avengers: Age of Ultron. I love Ultron. I think he's a really fun villain. He is a really fun villain. He's got an interesting 
a twist that he's self-learning and is supposed to protect the earth, mm-hmm. but not the people on it. He figures out the best way to protect the planet is to eliminate all of the humans and all life and sure. have it start over. Sure. And he's another, you know, a lot of the MCU and the terrible things that happen are the sins of Tony Stark being revisited on the world that he's responsible yeah. for. Uh, he's responsible for a lot of bad things and it tortures him. And this is one of them. This is his ultimate trying to do the right thing, not talking to anybody else. And then you get, you get a murder bot. Yeah. That he wrote, that he ropes Bruce Banner into helping him with. I mean, why would you not consider him a great villain? Because he's an AI and his motivations come from that. Um, come from pure logic. I just think that there are, I, I think that there are clearly better villains. To be discussed. I think if we put him in, in a final, it would be ceremonial as opposed to yeah. this guy's got a shot. That's true. So who's, who do we have in our final right now? We have Loki and that's it. And that's it. All right. We only have Loki right now. And so I'll tell you who be. we're not going to be adding is Darren Cross, aka Yellow Jacket from Ant-Man. Corey Stoll does a fine job. Yeah. Rich dude in what a he's suit given. who he's, he's playing yeah. Obadiah and he's playing Tim Roth from the Hulk. It's. Well, it's that Another, same problem of, yeah. like, I'm a bad guy who's in a suit that shrinks. Yeah. You're a good guy in a sh- suit that shrinks. I'm the bad guy version of that. Yeah. Yeah, so much of it is just, hey, what would happen if this superpower or technology got in the wrong hands? Yeah. So I guess we can lump an entire category of Marvel villains into the wrong hands. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of, let's get into the right hands, which are Ooh. the hands of a brief break, and then we're going to go through phase three. And all 8 million films in it, and we will decide the best <laughs> MCU villain when we return. All right. Listen, I'm a hotshot Hollywood movie producer. You have until I finish my glass of kombucha to pitch me your idea. Go. All right. It's called Who Shot Ya, a movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. I'm Ify Wadiway, the new host of the show and a certified BBN. BBN? Buff black nerd. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, an elderly gay and legit film critic who wrote a book on Christmas movies. I'm Drea Clark, a loud white lady from Minnesota. Each week, we talk about a new movie in theaters and all the important issues going on in the film industry. It's like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets Cruising. And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick, start flexing. Bicep, lats, chest. Who shot you? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Dave Hill from show business. And while I'm not from Canada, my grandfather Clarence Vincent Blake Sr. was, and he wouldn't shut up about it. My grandfather moved on to that great penalty box in the sky way back in the 80s. Still, all these years later, I can't help but wonder, what do we really know about Canada and its people? Which is why my friend Chris Gersbeck and I decided to make So, You're Canadian. Brand new podcast from the Maximum Fun Network, on which I attempt to get to know our neighbors to the north, one Canadian at a time. Coming to Maximum Fun, August 27th. And I'm not sorry. All right, we're back. Okay. Let's get right into it. Captain America Civil War released May 6, 2016. Your bad guy is Helmet Zemo, is played by Daniel Bruhl. And brilliant. Uh, a, a wounded human with no superpowers except a super smart brain who manipulates Bucky Barnes into doing his bidding. His whole focus, he's not bent on world domination. That's why I love this villain is that he's not bent on world domination. Yeah. He is bent on 
making he is bent on tearing apart the Avengers. That's what he wants. He yes. wants revenge for the death of his family when at the end of Ultron, when they lift up a whole city and then drop it. <laughs> Like that's yeah, his family, yeah. He lost his family and that spurred him to revenge and he's trying to activate the Winter Soldier yeah. in order to create conflict. He's He is aware that the Winter Soldier is responsible for the death of Tony Stark's mm-hmm. parents. So he's – the thing he's chasing the entire film in addition to sort of setting up the Avengers to tear one another apart is the proof. He wants the videotape of that happening, which he eventually screens for for Cap and mm-hmm. Iron Man and the Winter Soldier – Leading to that epic battle between the three of them at the end. There, there is, I want more of him and I, there is more of him coming. He will appear in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series on Disney plus. Cool. I wish they would sponsor us because I am giving them a lot of plugs. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll get the version of Baron Zemo that's got the actual helmet on mm-hmm. instead of just the helmet being his name. Oh, I didn't see. I don't know his connection to the comic books. Yeah. There's a Baron Zemo. That's sort of a major baddie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're priming him to become. Because again, he's another villain. The, the villains who die right away with very few exceptions. And they're, you know, there's one who dies who we believe to be dead after his initial film that I think has to be a finalist. But by and large, when they die after one film, you're like, well, that's not in the comics. You want them to survive so they can be a constant. Yeah thorn in the side of the hero and they evolve with him and they become worse or bad you know if the, imagine if the joker had been killed off after his first issue yeah we wouldn't get any we wouldn't have any of what we have now in terms of the number of people who wear shirts with the joker on it so it's joker just, is the best villain like, of the mcu yeah, joker's the best my favorite text from you today <laughs> next we have dr strange and kaecilius as played mads mickelson by mads mickelson Good performance yeah, again. Great not, performance. Not the huge. Uh, you've also got uh, Dormammu at the end Dormammu, of the movie. Yeah, we didn't see enough of Dormammu. Visually like, cool. Gonna win. Yeah. No, no. Matt Matt Mickelson is great. Yeah, but I, I'm excited for Baron Mordo to return. Shiwatella. That's or, the one. Shiwatella Jafar. Uh, when Baron Mordo comes back, bad. That's good. Well, did he come back bad yet? He was any? bad at the end of it because remember he goes he goes right. back to Benjamin Bratt and takes takes the pet the magic from him because he says too many. Uh, too many wizards or too right. many sorcerers and takes his power from him. So now you have his, like, you see him become a villain. You see why he becomes a villain. So he's mm-hmm. going to be, he could be a Loki level villain in the MCU. And who knows if he factors into the upcoming Doctor Strange and the uh, Madness in the Multiverse, which is the next movie coming out, which I've been told is a horror movie. That's what they said. Oh, that would be, be like fun. A straight up horror film. That's going to be exciting. Next we get. Oh, this is going to be a tough one Not for me not to want to put in the final. Kurt Russell as Ego the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume w- 2. Wait a minute. What? All right. Plead your case for <laughs> Kurt Russell as an evil planet and uh, Chris Pratt's dad. Let me start with a simple three-word sentence. Okay. It's Kurt Russell. All right. That yeah. movie is fan- is uh, curtastically Russellicious on my rating scale. Yeah, I know. Uh, it is like you can tell he's having a really good time. I, he's not really that complex as no. a character, and he is like a big character. Uh, you know, and no I d- I do love I do love that he walks you through a very stylized Disneyland ride tableau version of his backstory and how he is a planet. Yes, uh, that scene is pretty fun. 
And his yeah. whole, like, his whole just charm that his charm offensive at the top is so fun. Yeah. But come on, man. I mean, he's pretty bad, though. He destroys and kills all of the, uh, any child of his that can't hold his power. There's an entire, like, just cavern filled with bones. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's a good guy. Yeah, he is the planet. I realize. Uh, he's one of those villains that as soon as you mentioned him, I was like, who? Oh, yeah, him. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's fair. So his general forgettableness. I don't know. I know you love he's he's uh curtastically Russellicious. All right, let's move on to uh a hero with with maybe the greatest rogues gallery. Certainly certainly I think the greatest rogues gallery in Marvel in Marvel comics. You could put his up against Batman's, I think. Mm-hmm. In comics overall, that's an interesting discussion to have another time. Yeah. Spider-Man who gets his first movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, in which the bad guy is Adrian Toomes, aka the Vulture, as played by Michael Keaton. This one is, he is great. Yeah. Like this, as far as complexity, you know, he's, it's one of those performances where you empathize with him. You know exactly what is happening and why he is doing what he's doing. He's almost, he's, he's kind of just, if it weren't for the selfishness, he'd be a vigilante. Yes. Well, um, he can't, I mean, <sighs> I, I don't, yes, who knows what else he might have become. But again, this is, remember I said that, that a lot of the villains in the MCU are Tony Stark's fault. This mm-hmm. is one of them that he hates Tony Stark, who took his job away from him. Yeah. You know, that, that opening sequence, it's such a great, that's such a, a great, like, motivation for a character that he had this contract to help clean up New York after the events of the Avengers and then damage control sweeps in, which is Tony Stark providing the cleanup for the messes that Tony Stark makes mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any money, but they start stealing the technology to, uh, to sell and make weapons. And that's how he provides for his family. And then that becomes yeah. something he will protect at all costs, including killing his own villains. But you get the shocker in that as well. The tinkerer, they're all, uh, they're all kind of there. There's a, there's a reference to the scorpion. You get to meet the scorpion, but you don't really see him as the scorpion yet. Mm hmm. He's there's the a, see, there's a lot of in this movie that you know that you know that mythology a lot better than I do. So there are, I guess I would call them Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you, you would call them first appearances. I, um, I think I think they are because Spider Man they do a good job of Spider Man's got the Sinister Six, which is kind of a rotating lineup mm-hmm. of bad guys that unite against him, and you get a few of them. You get Shocker, mm-hmm. uh, who is played by Bokeem Woodbine. Who's also very good. You don't really know much about him. Just, yeah. just that he's part of the gang. You have the vulture. You have Scorpion, who's the guy that he, that he throws the car into and knocks off of the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, who runs into, into Michael Keaton in prison in the after credit scene and, and has like the, the, um, has like the technology all over him. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like through his spine and stuff. That's going to be the basis of his suit. And uh, Mysterio is actually another important member of the Sinister Six. So, you know, hopefully, it would sure. be nice to see all of them, all of them together. We're only missing a few. But let's talk about the villains that we currently have. We yes, we've only got an hour, and we have twenty-seven movies to get through. Vul- Vulture uh, is fantastic. Vulture I, is great. I would I, put Vulture on the on yeah, the I, in the finals. I want to see more. I want to see more of him. But yeah, I would. I'll, I'm willing to put him in the finals. I th- I do think it's a great performance. Mm-hmm. His relationship with Spider Man is 
uh, is interesting because their scene in the car is amazing. Yeah, it's that's great. He obviously hates Spider Man. Spider Man is a thorn in the side. Peter's just a kid, mm-hmm. and when he figures that out, now he's in this weird place where he hates Peter, but Peter saved his family. Right. So he kind of owes him. Yeah, that's the complexity. That's the scene in the car of the like, well, we are an immovable object and an unstoppable force. So how do we fix this? Yeah. Uh, just get out of my way. Yep. If the movie had just ended right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Spider-Man was like, okay, can I date your daughter? <laughs> can I stop being Spider-Man? Yeah. I'm in high school. I will stop being Spider-Man and date your daughter because that is what is important. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Let's move on to Thor Ragnarok and Kate Blanchett chewing up scenery as Hela. Great movie. I don't think she's a top villain. I don't think she she's a top a villain, but up. she is amazingly cool in that movie. Yeah. She just, it's one of those like, I feel like whoever's going to be our top villain is not going to be a one movie villain, which, you know, kind of leaves two of them that I mean, are really well, the got, two. Then, then we, then Vulture doesn't even belong in the finals. Yeah, right? but I want to put Vulture in the finals just because I really like him. Okay. Moving on. We'll eliminate we have, him immediately, probably. We have another finalist. But, yeah, but, but Kate Blanchett, that scene where no, she great. just takes down their entire army. She's brilliant. Like, yes, she's such a great actor and a great uh, uh, the performance is there. The importance to the MCU story might not be there in its entirety. She's not. I mean, well, she leads to the destruction of Asgard. She she creates some inciting events, which which bring us to where we are in uh, in Infinity War. But mm-hmm. before we get to Infinity War, we take a brief stop for another top contender, Eric Killmonger, in Black Panther. This will be yeah. This is this is completely throw what I just said out the window. Yeah, about single movie villains, Killmonger is perfect. Yeah, he's super complex. It's a great Michael B. Jordan feels like one of those actors that gets a lot of work, but people don't talk enough about how good he is. Yeah, like like we should be talking about how great he is all the time, everywhere. Yeah. And also, you probably have a affinity for him because uh, he played a Philadelphian. That's right. Well, he's great in Creed. Well, he goes to <laughs> Philadelphia. He's raised in Los Angeles. All right, all right. Yeah, he's great as Creed. Great actor overall, but this role in particular, he's, he's ruthless. He kills another villain in Ulysses Claw, who mm-hmm. is, who, another interesting, uh, villain that we didn't really get to see a lot of, but who was great. A lot of fun. Love when, that uh, my favorite Ulysses Claw moment is, uh, when they're in a car chase and he turns to the guy driving and goes, turn some music on. What do you think this is? A funeral? Yeah. It's so good. Like the idea that he turns on music in a car chase is so fun. Um, yeah, Michael B. Jordan in this movie, his performance in this movie actually made me love his performance in Creed even more. Really? And I will tell you why. Because when I first saw Creed, that was the first time I saw Michael B. Jordan. And I was like, is this the new style of acting that's happening now? Like where he's just kind of mumbly. And everything is done under his breath and he's quiet, just, you know, kind of a soft spoken palooka. And then I, and I was like, Oh, I guess that maybe that's just Michael B. Jordan's style. And then I saw Killmonger. Yeah. And I was like, Oh no, he's just a great actor. Wait a minute. He was doing Rocky because Rocky was a soft spoken palooka who mumbled all his lines. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, my God, Michael B. Jordan was just shouting out to Sylvester Stallone in his performance as Apollo Creed's son. Mm-hmm. In, as Killmonger, he's this charismatic, loud, verbose guy. 
And it just made me love that performance. It made like when one performance in a movie makes me love two movie performances. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's such he's, a complex, such villain. a good villain. Even and he's kind death. of right. Like, yeah, he's so much so that his death happens, which is a beautiful, beautiful scene. And Black Panther, you know, kind of picks up the mantle of what Killmonger was trying to do and starts doing it, but in the non villainy way. Yeah, that that his last line of Black Panther where he says, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. That's Oof. like, holy crap. If that doesn't, I, that makes me emotional now. Yeah. But this idea of, of the African diaspora and, you know, this fictional country and what to do, what, what you would do if you had if you had the tools that Wakanda has, mm-hmm. it's just such, I mean, such a complex sociological yeah. movie. It's such an important movie. Obviously, right now, it stands as the best MCU movie the last time we updated. Still so, stands. It still stands as the best MCU movie. Kind. Yeah. I mean, yeah, nothing has knocked it off its perch. And and we won't revisit it for a few years anyway, just to check in as we, mm-hmm. as we need to do. But, oh, man. What a villain. It's going to be Just tough. Fantastic. It's going to be tough because the next one we have introduces another major player. Yes. Yeah, someone who's been in the background who appeared briefly at the very end of Avengers and then again had his first speaking lines as, as played by Josh Brolin in Guardians of the Galaxy one. Mm-hmm. And that is Thanos the Mad Titan who, for, as far as villainy goes, I think he's as far on the scale as possible. See, I, this I disagree with. Yeah. Because he does not think he is a villain. He nope. is by, by nature of his randomizer that he is going to randomly eliminate half of the universal population of species in order to, and he's doing it for what he thinks is good. Now, I don't know why someone didn't just whisper in his ear, Hey, why don't you make, why don't you snap your fingers and make twice as many resources? Don't you think? I, well, yeah, that's been brought up, but he's singularly focused. Once yeah. he thinks he has the idea, then that is the only idea. Do, isn't any great villain someone who doesn't think that they're a villain though? That is, uh, honestly, that is, uh, from theater school. Acting 101, specifically yeah. Shakespeare 101. Yeah, no so, villain thinks they're a villain. So none of these villains think that they're the bad That's guy. That's true. They all, they all. But I guess he thing. was the only one that I was like, well, he's got a point. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, that makes him, that makes him a very compelling villain. But he's, so does Killmonger. Killmonger's got a point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The best, the best villains, you can kind of see where they're coming from. Loki, I didn't have the same experience that Loki had growing up as the, bastard son uh to find out later you know but like i get it dude you know what i mean <laughs> yes but he does do the unthinkable which is make half of the universe disappear yes. so that his villainy is off his villain his villainy yeah in that regard he is he is, is overpowered beyond overpowered and that it is mm-hmm. it is almost impossible to kill him mm-hmm. i mean think of how many different people come close yeah and it's you know an axe to the chest doesn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Captain America wielding Thor's hammer can't kill him. <laughs> uh, all these uh, do- you know Doctor Strange, Spider Man, half of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Iron Man together can't defeat him. Mm-hmm. So he really provides probably the greatest challenge 
he's the greatest challenge of any of these villains. Yeah. To them in that he is, is almost impossible to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Thor kills him, he's weakened and, ha- and also his job is done. Yeah. So he sees himself as a holy warrior. And once his job is who finished, is who is completed, yeah. Now he can just go be in peace. He doesn't want any more exactly. than what his task was. Exactly. Um, yeah, I guess though, partly the one thing I think that will take this down a, a little notch for me on that selfishness scale, uh, or on that villainy scale is uh, is his lack of selfishness. He is completely misguided. And, and I guess there is selfishness in the thought process of I'm the only one who is right. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only, and he even says that I think in one of the movies, he's like, why does nobody understand this but me? Yeah. And that is selfishness, but it's not like the, I want this thing for me and I'm going to go get it, which I guess is what puts him up on the pantheon because we've eliminated very quickly all of the villains that just wanted a thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's willing in Endgame to sacrifice his own people to get the nothing yeah. is more important than his mission. Mm-hmm. So he tells them to rain fire like our troops and he says, do it. So he doesn't care who dies as long as he gets the stones. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's bad. He's pretty bad. Um, Strength of performance is an interesting one because this is a mocap performance, but it's still fent- like you can see. Pretty it's, much everything that Josh Brolin was doing, which is weird. Is the mocap is fantastic because it's a it's a subtle performance. Yeah, um, it's a subtle performance that somehow got captured by mocap. Like motion capture can catch you know big sweeping moves and mm-hmm. things like that very easily, but the fact that they had the technology to do that and still give him that weird purple scrotum chin. <laughs> um, but I. Maybe this is just me. For me personally, I think he's wonderful. I think he's an amazing, amazing. He is the ultimate villain of the entire MCU so far. Yeah. Everything has been leading to him. Everything has been leading to this. And he doesn't disappoint when he shows up. So his importance to the story is a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know for it. I think I have to, I have to ding a little bit on the strength of the performance simply because it was a subtle performance that is done through mocap. And I, for one, for my villains, like a live human being gobbling up scenery and being a, I almost just swore on the show. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) And just being a, a flashy. That's the word I was going to say. Yeah. A flashy villain. You know what I mean? Like it's a comic book movie. I don't need a silent brooder. Who just think, walks like he doesn't have the thing is, he doesn't have to be flashy. He just exactly. walks into a scene and you're terrified. Whereas Killmonger rips his shirt off. He's got all these like little scar. He's got all these scars, yeah, nicks Marcus all over kills. his body to Marcus yeah. kills. And then you watch him do some insane battle sequences. Yeah. I think if if Thanos had walked into every room like, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm going to destroy the universe. Just but, have yeah. a bet. I think you would have been disappointed. <laughs> I, I I love a scenery chewing villain as well. But even it's I mean, you can even chew scenery in a fight scene and his fight scenes are just like a brute in a fight scene is not as fun to watch as as a live little Spider-Man is. I I agree with you, but I will add that he did exactly what he was exactly yeah, what he that was movie correct. Needed. Like he was Thanos. Yeah. Thanos, Thanos doesn't care about it. Look, we are, I'm, we have to pick one and I am looking simply at little nitpicky things. Right. But because I, I will say this now, 
Um, by the way, is it anyone after Thanos going to win? Who do we have? We have Mysterio and we have Yon, um, we have Yon Rog from uh, we have Ghost from Ant Man and the Wasp, Yon Rog from Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, neither of them are going to win. Yeah. No. Okay. Sorry. So it's going. So it really it feels like it's down to and we can eliminate um we can eliminate Vulture I think yeah even though it was a great complex performance it seems like our final three are Loki Thanos and Killmonger. Yes, the only the only final three we could have logically come to. All right, so here's what I want to do for us to do this. We've never done this before. Oh, bo- oh, new a new thing, new segment. Because uh, I want to do this Iron Chef style, meaning oh, have them all cook. Meaning we have our criteria. Uh huh. You get a one through five, and then we combine the totals and we see who wins. Okay. All oh, right. So, okay, we're like Olympic judges. We're now. like Olympic like judges now. All right. All right. I'm interested to pilot this new program, and I yeah. hope it works great for future episodes. All right, so let's talk first about Thanos, since we're on Thanos. Yeah, let's do right. it. One through five. Strength of performance, I'm giving a four. I would give him a five. All right, a four and a five. Oh, wait, let me... So that's should, nine. Should I be writing this down? Yes. Hold on. Give me so much work. I know. Work, 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 work. Okay, performance. You say five, five. I say four. That's a nine. Uh-huh. Importance to the story. Five. Yes. Um, villainy. I'm going to say four. Uh, I'm going to give him a five. And complexity. I'm going to say four. Um, I'm going to give him. He's not terrible. He is singular uh, yeah. of focus. I'm going to give him a three, but he does have his daughter. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put complexity at three with you. Okay. Yeah. Next. All right. Next. Uh, let's look at Loki. Okay. Uh, strength of performance, five. Yep. Importance to the story. I'm going to say five as well. Yep. Villainy, I'm going to give him a three. Uh, I'm going to give him, uh, you know what? I'm going to give him a five. On villainy? Yeah. He hides his father and takes his place. He's, he's trying to subjugate the entire planet Earth. Thanos wants to kill him. Oh, all right. He tries to kill his own brother repeatedly. Yeah, all right. Um, and complexity is a five. Yeah. I'm not looking at these numbers. So when you say people of the world, I'm just going to, I will find out then. Okay. All right. Killmonger. Performance five. Five. Importance five. Five. Uh, villainy three. Uh, he does a lot of know. bad things. He this kills- is all a relative scale, but how? You're, you, you're saying, you're saying all the villainous things that he and Loki have done. Yeah. But compared to every other MCU villain, I think you have to look at it in context, right? Mm-hmm. Once he becomes the rule, I mean, first of all, he's killing anybody and everybody in his path to, mm-hmm. to become the king. Once he does, he starts turning on his own people. Like he goes where the heart shaped herb. Mm-hmm. Is grown and has them burn it all down so nobody can have powers after okay. him. Look, He's you can give me you can give mean. me a lot of details. I get it. I, I'm just say, I, th- I'm just giving you my number. I'm, I'm right. saying I'm defending my number. I know, no, I believe you, and I'm defending I, mine. Complexity is a five. Complexity is a five. So, would you please give me your totals for each? I didn't. Each to- I thought you were totaling them. Oh, I thought you. I was totaling mine. I'm not writing them. <laughs> Hell, you said I'm getting a piece of paper and I'm writing this down. That's why I said I'm not writing anything down. I okay. will find all out right, at the end right, when right. you do. All right, Hal, have you tallied up our our <laughs> our I trial have. run of the uh Iron Chef rules of We Got This? I have. All right. 
And I can tell you right now that Thanos has not won with a combined score of 34 out of a possible 40. Mm-hmm. Loki, who I gave full marks to, and you gave partial marks to, scored a 38 out of a possible 40. And Killmonger scored out of a possible 40 a 38. It is a tie. Oh, no! Your system has betrayed you, Mark. Well, <sighs> all right. Well, then it's a tie. No, it cannot be a tie. We have to decide the best. So we have three finalists. We have Thanos, Loki, and uh, Killmonger. Yeah, why don't we just do a one, two, three? Really? Let's just do a one, two, three. I think it, yeah. I think it might be simple. After all of this talk about all, we we, we really, we spent more time talking about Malekith than we did going through the finer points of the three finalists. Do you want to just go straight into the... I mean, do you want to talk? Uh, Yeah, let's, look, here... I feel like Killmonger is an important, is super important. Thanos is important because he wipes out half of all life. Right. He's the big baddie behind everything. all of, uh, yeah, everything. And he, he drives the end of what's been called the Infinity Saga, which is the first 22, 23 films mm-hmm. that they put out. It's Jeez, a- that just, it sounds exhausting to say. Okay, the first 22 or 23 movies that we make, usually if someone's talking about 22, it's a season of television and they don't leave an apartment. Yeah, it, 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 he he is like the ultimate big bad. I think yeah. he lacks the complexity. I think they tried to give him complexity in the comics. He he's doing it all because he's fallen in love with death, which has a physical manifestation. Right, a skeleton lady who is not that hot. <laughs> Don't know what you say. Look, if it works, look, he has a nutsack for a chin. She's all bones. They make right. it work. Look, I get it, but. He, in this one, they, they create this thing of like, well, that's resources that he thinks he, he somehow in a twisted way thinks he's doing the right thing, even though he's doing it the wrong way. And you could easily point to, like we talked about, why not just double all the resources? But he's got this idea and he's locked into it, which doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like as strong a motivation. Yeah. Killmonger's got incredible motivation and so does Loki. Mm-hmm. I know you don't like the mocap aspect of it. That that dings the performance a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think we're beyond that. I mean, look at look at the stuff Andy Circus did. Sure, uh, playing and Gollum. that's still and that's a that's a. But look, I'm like I said, these are really hard, and I'm just yeah. looking for the slightest edge. I I think for me, what makes Loki stand out is is how many different levels he has as a character. How he's good and bad and good and bad. You never really know if you can trust him or not. Yeah, he's also had the most time for us to fall in love with him. Yeah, and he's the reason why the Avengers form. Mm-hmm. He is the inciting incident that brings the Avengers together. Yes, Thanos gives him the Mind Stone, but he he really – they the Avengers don't come together – if not for him. In the comics as well, they come together to fight Loki. Sure. He is a very important character, not only in the comics universe, but in the cinematic universe as well. And important enough and revered enough that he's getting his own Disney Plus series that people are super excited about. Like, they want more Loki. Right. So, I think that would be my argument for him. I think I, – I love Killmonger. I love Michael B. Jordan's performance. It's super layered. The character has the right motivation and it, and it's two sides of an argument rather than 
Mm-hmm. He's necessarily, you know, he's coming from a hurt place. He's seen things taken away from him and he's grown up outside of the sheltered world of Wakanda that, that T'Challa has. So everything's colored him and he is a bad, bad man. They are all bad. Their, their villainous deeds are all right. terrible. Yeah, I just think, I think if we're talking about a sing, if Loki was only in one movie, I would say Killmonger all the way. But Loki has popped up throughout the entire MCU, uh, and was the catalyst for the first Avengers movie. Or not the catalyst, the, uh, yeah, maybe the catalyst. That's, I don't know if I'm using words correctly. Yeah. It's very early in the morning. No, you're right. But, uh, yeah, so how, however you want to do this, it's Loki. Yeah, uh, you want a one, two, three it just to make it official? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to convince me how I like Loki. I, you, I feel like you're, <laughs> you're, you've, you've decided that I'm an anti-locust. <laughs> I do tend to, you don't have, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to plead a case. We're not the lawyers. We're the Supreme Court here. Okay. Well, so then, stop lawyering for Loki. It's going to be Loki. I was one, already two, three, on it. team Loki. One, two, let's three, one, two, Loki. All right, Loki. Great. People of the world. <laughs> it's Loki. Everybody's What an favorite. inelegant ending. <laughs> Everybody's favorite identity-stealing trickster bastard god who suffers from – I have – jeez. A lot of different syndromes. <laughs> so many different ones. He's just such – it's a master performance. It carries and grows across all the movies in which he appears, and that does benefit him, but – you know, there's a reason why they come back to that character over and over again. He's not just evil Thor. He is his own being. And watching him mature and get worse and get better and struggle with his identity is fascinating to see. And that is why he is, at this point, good update later, the best MCU villain asked and answered. That's right. Thank you for the topic. This topic is closed, but we have many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets. Check out the Maximum Fun subreddit or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Talk about your favorite MCU villains. That is Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks as always to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners the people of the world for giving us a chance to sit here and talk about our favorite things. One of them being the Marvel cinematic universe. Thank you. That's it. No more bits. Just thank you for how Loveland. I'm Mark Gagliardi for Mark Gagliardi. I'm how Loveland. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.